Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am. You know, it's just been a wonderful weekend, but now we got to get back to be able to talk about what's happening on the news as much as possible of the stock market in general. First off, for those of you who have been paying attention a little bit more to past podcasts, Volkswagen finally targets a $70.1 billion to $75.1 billion valuation and planned Porsche IPO in the making. Okay, we'll discuss a little bit about that and what that potentially could mean for Porsche going forward, especially in these markets when the market has been pretty negative for the last few months. Jim Cramer recently spoke to the FedEx CEO, and the FedEx CEO, from is he says he expects the economy to enter a worldwide recession in the making. Oh boy, another CEO is coming out saying things aren't looking good for the economy in the making currently right now. Finally, the last few topics we'll talk about has to do with the energy as well, because with a recession, potentially energy markets are going to be very valuable going forward. And the energy markets, Shell CEO Ben Van Burden to step down, renewables boss uh, Whaley Sewan is to take over as on the helm. The EU chief von der Leyen promises to overhaul the energy markets and tax on fossil fuel profits. Another crazy moment for after taxing the oil companies in the making. And finally, there's a green hydrogen emissions as one of the biggest green hydrogen production plants in Germany is in the making from Simons. Okay. With that being said, like I always said at the beginning of each podcast, I have to remind you that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company because you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. I don't have any positions in any of these companies today, but should I do, I should I will make sure I mention them in this podcast. And with that being said, as a reminder, I'm not a professional advisor. Please go talk to your professional advisor before making any investment decisions. Let's begin today's podcast. Volkswagen targets $70.1 billion to $75.1 billion valuation in planned Porsche IPO. Okay. From CNBC, Volkswagen will price preferred shares in the planned flotation of Porsche AG at $76.50 Euros to $82.50 Euros, or in the US dollars at $76.61 to $82.62 per share, the carmaker said on Sunday, generating pro- proceeds to uh, of between 8.7 to 9.4 billion euros. The price range, which translates into the valuation of 70 to 75 billion euros, would make it Germany's second biggest IPO in history and at the upper end of the valuation, Europe's third largest on record, according to Refinitiv data. Trading will begin on September 29th, the carmaker said. A total up to 113,875,000 preferred shares from Volkswagen AG, which do not carry voting rights, will be placed with investors over the course of the IPO. In line with the agreement struck earlier in September between Volkswagen AG and its largest shareholder, Porsche SE, 25% of uh, correction, 25% plus one ordinary share in the sports car brand, which do carry voting rights, will go to Porsche SE at the price at the preferred shares plus a 7.5% premium. That brings the total pro- uh, proceeds to between 9.36 billion to 10.10 billion euros. The statement said. A stock exchange uh, prosecutes is expected to be published on Monday, after which institutional and private investors can subscribe to Porsche shares. As part of the listening, 911 million Porsche AG shares will be divided into 455.5 million preferred shares and 455.5 million ordinary shares. Only the preferred shares will be listed. You know, it's good to see that there are at least one company out there that's taking a dive. I mean, to go public. I mean, it probably won't be as crazy. It'd probably be hitting down a down year in the making with the market because a lot of CEOs are not even 
releasing forecasts, but at least there's one little tiny bright spot where Porsche is deciding, you know what, we're going to go public, okay? Which means the CEO of Porsche believes that there's still money to be made in this market and that there might not be a downturn as much. But at the same time, maybe it's also the big players that are investing heavily into into this company and they're looking to cash out potentially. Or maybe they just see a way to make money right now. It's hard to tell. But I mean, it could, this could help revise the market to be able to start potentially going up. Maybe, maybe his investor confidence will grow when they realize like, Hey, Porsche just went public. Maybe it'll cause a little stir in the market for a little bit. But there is one CEO who's raising the alarm bells currently right now. FedEx CEO says he expects the economy to enter a worldwide recession. So when Porsche is making a, a attempt to go public, FedEx is speaking out too, saying that there's a potential recession in the making. Okay. Now, granted, this was reported on Thursday, and there was other things we talked about in this podcast, but I thought it'd be good to be able to talk about to see where the FedEx CEO is currently at in his thinking. FedEx CEO Rage Cerberamium told CNBC Jim Cramer on Thursday that he believes a recession is impeding for the global economy. Quote, I think so, but you know these numbers don't uh, pretend very well. He said in response to Jim Cramer's question on whether the economy is going into a worldwide recession. The the CEO of Pessimism came after FedEx missed estimates on uh, revenue and earnings in its first quarter. The company also withdraws its full-year guidance. Shares of FedEx fell 15% in extended trading on Thursday. Quote, I'm very disappointed in the results that we should announce here. And you and know the headline really is macro situation that we're facing. The CEO of FedEx said in an interview on Mad Money. The chief executive who assumed the position earlier this year said that the weakening global sh- shipment supplies drove FedEx disappointing results. Well, the company anticipated demand to increase after factories shuttered in China due to COVID opened back up. It actually fell, he said. Week over week, over week, that came down. The CEO of FedEx said the chief executive also said that the loss in volume is wide reaching and that the company has seen weekly decline since around its investors day in June. Quote, we're seeing that volume decline in every segment around the world. And so, you know, we've just started our second quarter. He said the weekly numbers are not looking good. So we just assume at this point that the economy conditions are not really good. Quote, we are a reflection of everybody else's business, especially high value economy in the world. He later added. I, I do I do agree with him that fully that well not fully a hundred percent but it does seem like there is a slowdown in the making and you have to remember if he's looking at it from the China perspective too we've spoken in past podcasts on this podcast channel that China had a no COVID policy in the making meaning they had, they couldn't have a single COVID case within I believe it was the cities that they had. And because of that, a lot of factories in China were shut down. Okay. Now, granted, FedEx might be feeling it if there are if they have a huge footprint in China, but maybe at the same time he's looking at it from the American side as well. Now, granted, I have a hard time firmly believing that the slowdown is happening. I mean, I still see FedEx trucks moving around, and that is one thing I did notice at least the last few years that as the economy was doing well, there was a lot of FedEx trucks and not just FedEx. We had UPS trucks, Amazon trucks going around. Now maybe there's a slowdown. Maybe I'm just not noticing as much and maybe you're not as well, but if the trucks are still moving and delivering stuff, then there really isn't a slowdown. Now let's play that card and say that the CEO FedEx is right about it. That means it's going to hurt everyone across the globe. And that means a lot of businesses are going to be firing people. Now, at the same token, we have mentioned, and at least a lot of the white collar jobs like 
Google and IBM. I, th- I think IBM was one. I know we've talked about Google a lot on this on past podcasts. We also know some real estate companies, and I think, believe Twilio. We just spoke about too. They are letting people go from their workforce because there's a slowdown happening. It's hard to tell overall, but maybe the CEO sees something that we don't. It's hard to tell. I mean, there's these are two opposing CEOs. One's in the car industry and they're planning to go public. And the other one is pretty much FedEx who's saying that there's a slowdown. And maybe people are just using FedEx as much. It's hard to tell, but we need to keep an eye out. If you stop seeing the trucks moving from FedEx, there's a high probability. And I'm not talking like those big semi trucks from FedEx. I'm talking like the trucks that go to people's homes and deliver stuff. That might give you an idea of where the economy is going because then people aren't getting as many packages. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how those companies also deliver a lot of stuff too or in e-commerce. Actually, that's true too. Shopify had mentioned earlier too in a past podcast, we talked about Shopify having to lay off people. Maybe the FedEx CEO knows something that we don't. You need to keep an eye out for this, fellow podcast listeners. Continuing on with our thesis of what could potentially happen on what we think could potentially happen. Because like we said, we're not professional advisors, but we just read the news and we report as much as we can. If there is a recession coming for the world, that means energy is going to be a very valuable play going forward. Okay. From the energy department, from CNBC, from all types of energy that we're going to be talking about now, Shell CEO, uh, Ben Van Burden to step down, renewables boss, Whaley Saywan to take the helm. Okay. Oil gas giant on Thursday announced that the CEO, Ben Van Burden, will step down at the end of the year after nearly a decade at the helm. Whaley Swaywan, currently Shell's director of integrated gas, renewables, and energy solutions, will become the next chief executive on January 1st. The news follows speculation that Shell has been actively looking for a successor to replace Van Burden as chief executive. Reuters reported at the start of September, citing two unnamed sources that Shell's board secessions committee had met several times in recent months to draw up plans for Van Burden's departure and interview potential successors. It has now been confirmed that Swan will take over. A dual Lebanese-Canadian national, uh, Sewan, has held roles in downstream retail and various commercial projects during his 25-year career at Shell. Quote, I'm looking forward to the challenging, the pioneering spirit, and the passion of our incredible people to rise to the immense challenges and grasp the opportunities presented at the uh, correction presented by the energy transition, Swan said in a statement. Adding that it is an honor to follow Van Burden's leadership. Quote, we we will be disciplined and value focused as we work with customers and partners to deliver the reliable, affordable, and cleaner energy the world needs. Continuing on with the article from CNBC, shares of Shell rose 0.7% during early morning deals in London. The stock price is up more than 40% year-to-date. Van Burden, 64, joined Shell in 1983 and became CEO of the company in 2014 after serving a director of the firm's refining and chemicals business. The outgoing CEO, Shell's biggest acquisition in decades with the $53 billion purchase of rival BG Group in 2016, guided the company through a historic collapse in the energy demand. As a result, of the coronavirus pandemic and face intensifying investor pressure to slash the firm's greenhouse gases emissions. Quote, it has been a privilege and an honor to have served Shell for nearly four decades and to lead a company for the past nine years, Van Burden said. And last thing we'll read is, quote, I'm very proud of what we have achieved together. I have great confidence in Whale as my successor. He is a smart, principled, and dynamic leader who I know will continue to serve Shell with conviction and dedication, he added. You know, Shell's profits, I believe, recently, we didn't really report on this podcast, but we did report between Exxon, Chevron, and BP, I believe. And small disclosure, I have small positions in all three of those companies. They crushed their earnings. 
And we also know Saudi Aramco crushed their earnings as well. And Shell most likely crushed their earnings. So, I mean, this transition, it's going to be interesting to see how this, this new CEO Shell takes over and what happens overall. But, I mean, I still believe, as I've mentioned in past podcasts, that oil is going to still be like a big deal. I mean, in Europe in particular, there's a lot of demand for energy since there's no Russian oil being delivered, it seems like, from Russia to Europe. I mean, Europe has figured out other ways, like they're bringing in more coal, they're reacting nuclear power plants. And something I have mentioned in the past, too, is that China has been shipping gas to Europe. And that was that was a fun article to read on past podcasts to talk about. But what's getting more interesting is what Europe's going to be doing now. And it's, I'm curious how it's going to affect Shell moving forward, too. From European politics, from CNBC, EU chief von der Leyen promises overhaul on energy markets and tax on fossil fuel profits. The European Union will launch a deep comprehensive reform of the electric market, European Commissioner President Ursul von der Leyen said Wednesday. In your annual State of the Union speech delivered as the European Parliament building in the French city of Strasbourg, von der Leyen said that the market was designed on principle of merit order and not fit for purpose. Quote, consumers should reap the benefits of low-cost renewables, she said. So we have decoupled the dominance of the price gas of the price of electricity. Von der Leyen also said there has been a shift from pipeline gas to increase use of liquefied natural gas, but the benchmark used in the gas market, TTF, has not adapted. She said that the commission would work on developing a more representative benchmark for trading that reflects this change and will also liquefy pressures on energy suppliers by amending rules on uh, uh, collaterals and taking measure on limits, intertrade price volatility. An energy crisis on both supply and pricing in Europe came to a head earlier this month as Russia indefinitely halted gas flows to Europe through the key Nord Stream 1 pipeline. EU energy ministries ministers met Friday to discuss the five points plan, which included a price cap on Russian gas, a windfall tax on fossil fuel companies, profits a limit on revenue of renewable nuclear companies, a mandatory target for reducing peak hour energy use by 5%, and emerge and emergency credit lines for power companies. Russian President Vladimir Putin threatened to disregard existing contracts and shut up energy supplies to Europe completely after the plan was announced. And, and we'll continue reading a little bit more. Addressing the windfall tax and revenue cap plans, von der Leyen said that while profits were not necessarily a bad thing, quote, it is wrong to receive extraordinary record revenues and profits benefiting from war and on the back of our consumers. Yeah, they don't care, it seems like, and fully. You know, if they truly cared, at least with the energy crisis that they're facing right now, they would be doing a lot more to get more energy. I love how their solutions always like, we're going to tax these energy companies more. I mean, even Joe Biden in the in the United States was like, Exxon Mobil made more than, I can't, I don't want to say the Lord's name in vain, so I'm not going to, but Joe Biden pretty much said that Exxon Mobil made more money than than any than any, any company okay now granted exxon mobile for the longest time wasn't making money if you have been paying attention to the market the last few years they were barely scraping by and then of course when oil shoots up to 110 dollars a barrel at some point then yeah you're going to be making a lot of money it's funny how these politicians are always like it's not right that these oil companies are making money but it seems like the policy they're making is causing these oil companies to make the money because i mean all they had to do is listen to Vladimir Putin 
on Ukraine a little bit. And this isn't for Russia in the end. It's just it's just an observation of how these politicians, how they handle these situations all the time, it seems like. She says, continuing on the article, she said, millions of households and businesses across the European Union were struggling with price rises and were fearful for the future. Tax on fossil fuel profits would provide 140 billion euros or 139.8 billion to the split between number states for energy bill support, she added. Von der Leyen said the priority for the bloc must be ending its dependency on Russian gas with imports from countries already falling from 40% last year to 9% now. Quote, we have agreed to join storage. We are now at 84% overshooting our target, she said. But she continued, this will not be enough. We have to diversify away from Russia to reliable suppliers like the United States, Norway, Algeria, and others, as well as investing more heavily in renewables and LNG terminals. Yeah, I don't see the United States helping a whole lot. Okay, maybe maybe it would be if we were still drilling oil in the United States, but Joe Biden has virtually canceled almost every single project or he's canceled a lot of stuff. We've talked about this in past podcasts and I would advise for those of you listening to listen to some past podcasts about it, but Joe Biden has canceled a lot of the oil drilling in the United States. He has between Alaska, I believe Mexico, California and the East Coast. We've talked about it in past podcasts, but I do know for a fact that he has canceled it. That being said too, in past podcasts, we've also mentioned too that Joe Biden did send some strategical reserves overseas. And I don't remember the full details of that, but I do think some of it did go to Europe, if I'm not mistaken. It's hard to remember fully. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Wait, reliable suppliers like the United States. Or maybe this will be an incentive to start drilling if Joe Biden's listening, obviously. But he's probably not because he has to do his thing. What I'm also curious to know, too, because they're talking about how they're feeling it in Europe. In in Britain recently, their new prime minister recently just said, like, we're going to put a cap on energy. I think it was. Maybe it's a good thing the uh, the British government is no longer in the European Union because they won't be affected by this as much. And the other thing, too, with the European Union, too, not the European Union, but with the British, the British actually are, their prime minister is allowing them to drill more, do more fracking, I believe it was. So or it's, it's going to be interesting to see who survives this coming winter, the European Union or Britain. But the last thing we need to read, because I'm curious to know how this is going to be affected, okay, from CNBC, from Sustainable Energies, Simons commissions one of the biggest green hydro production plants in Germany. A green hydrogen generation plant described as one of the largest in Germany is open, with industrial giant Simons saying it will produce 1,350 tons of hydrogen every year. In a statement Wednesday, Simons said that the facility would be used wind and solar power from the uh, Wundesel Energy Park in Upper Franconia. The hydrogen will be producing using a 8.7 megawatt electrolyzer. Simon said hydrogen would be primarily used in the region's industrial and commercial enterprises, but also in road transport. Following its commission, Simon said a handover of the plant to WUNH2 is operator has taken place. Simon's Financial Services has a 45% stake in WUNH2. Uh, Gase and Stabrecki a utility have stakes also 45%, 10% representatively. Talks regarding the expansion of the plant's capacity to 17.5 megawatts are already underway, Simon said. Described as an international energy agency, as a versatile energy carrier, hydrogen has a diverse range of applications and can be deployed in a wide range of industries. 
It can be reduced in a number of ways. One method include using electrol electrolysts with electric current splitting water into oxygen and hydrogen. If the electricity is used and the process comes from a renewable source such as wind or solar, then some call it green or renewable hydrogen. Today, the vast majority of hydrogen generation is based on fossil fuels. This says here is a game changer for Europe. Simon's announce came the same day that the European Commission and President Ursula von der Leyen expressed support for hydrogen during her State of the Union address. And remarks translated on the Commission's website, von der Leyen said hydrogen can be a game changer for Europe. We need to move our hydrogen economy from niche to scale. In her speech, von der Leyen also referred to 2030 target to produce 10 million tons of renewable hydrogen in the EU each year. Quote, to achieve this, we must create a market maker for hydrogen in order to bridge the investment gap and connect future supply and demand, she said. To this end, EU's von der Leyen also announced the creation of the European Hydrogen Bank. It also hoped it will be able to invest 3 billion euros to support the future market for hydrogen. And last thing we'll read before we just end this podcast today. Over the last past few years, a number of multi uh, multinational firms have attempted to lay down a maker in the green hydrogen sector. Within Germany itself, oil and gas giant Shell last year announced that a 10 MW Electrolyzer has started operations in July of 2022. It was announced that plans to build a major hydrogen plant in the Netherlands would go ahead following its final investment decision by subsidies of Shell. You know, maybe that's where a lot of the money is going to start going soon from Wall Street is in these green energy projects in the making or like in the hydrogen or the wind farms or the solar farms or pretty much anything that has to do with energy. We're going to be in demand for energy for a while, not just in the United States, probably in Europe too. And maybe that's where a lot of the European markets is going to be heading. A lot of its money is to build these plants in general. They're making a push now. They should be making a push a while ago if Russia was really this threat, but you have to live and learn, I guess. But overall, it just seems like in Europe right now, they're going to be making a huge push to go green, go electric fully. Because maybe they're just tired of relying on Russia, or maybe they can just start drilling for more oil in their own lands or get more coal going, but can't do that. Obviously, we've read in the past too that nuclear energy was going to be a big deal in Germany, I believe it was, but I think at the end of the day, they're just really just going to be looking for a lot of ways to make more energy. And this is how they're going to do it. Because they, they they were relying on Russian oil for too long. So I keep an eye out for that, fellow podcast listeners. If at least if you are looking into Europe. And maybe that maybe what's happening in Europe will eventually translate over here in the United States as well. With people wanting to go more hydrogen-based for energy. Something to keep an eye out for. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this podcast so we'll be able to keep talking about these events that are happening on Wall Street that Wall Street isn't always willing to talk about. And please share with friends or family because if your friends or family would enjoy it, they might be able to share it with other people too who might enjoy it as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.